We welcome you into another edition of the Frazier Athletic Show. Alex Lyons and Nick Hicks here with you, breaking all things down. Spring sports here on the show as the Commodore baseball and softball teams pick up some wins while the track team struggles against a very stout GCC opponent. But when we come back, we'll start on with softball right here on the Frazier Athletic Show. You can enjoy the rustic decor of the Big Barn Country Store in Delhi from Route 51, just south of Periopolis, Pennsylvania. Inside the store, enjoy the atmosphere and browse through a selection of delicious Amish foods, home-baked pies, a deli, a wide array of nostalgic candy, wine store, and much more. Open seven days a week. Visit our website at BigBarnStore.com. That's BigBarnStore.com. Just as your local State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home and auto. And guess what you'll get? That's right, good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, State Farm agent Brian Warnick is your go-to agent in Periopolis for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home and auto today. State Farm agent Brian Warnick will help you mix and match things perfectly. Call 412-668-0111 for surprisingly great rates. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We move along here on the Fraser Athletic Show moving into softball and the softball team which thought they were going to have a section filled week. Turns out to only play one section game being against Charleroi, but they do go 2-0 on the week, defeating perennial 1A powerhouse. That is West Green, 11-6. And then also downing Charleroi on Friday, 5-4, as the Commodores continue to build upon that win in walk-off fashion against South Allegheny. They've lost one game since. They've won Three in a row, including a 10-0 win against Bentworth. But it's been a great turn of events here for this softball team after the slow start against the tough competition against Yawk. And, you know, once section play rolls around, I think they are going to be an absolute powerhouse of a team once again this season. And a lot of it has to do with some emergence of some new faces, some of those, in a sense, red shirt freshmen, seeing bigger time out on the field and Nicole Palmer's blossomed into something extremely talented out on that softball field oh yeah 100 percent. it's always nice to have a freshman that can come in and just dominate the way she is uh versus West Green I believe she pitched four innings zero earned and six strikeouts I'm pulling up the stats as we speak that is correct gave up three hits two runs total none of them earned and then as a whole, the team gave up six in that game. And again, West Green, yeah, it's a single-way team, but Still. they are good. I mean, ever since the Lampy Twins found their way to West Green and then Jersey Wise, that program has been absolutely yeah. outstanding in softball, basketball as well. I mean, in the female athletic side of things, since that, those families kind of started emerging into the high school levels, they've been a talented team. So a win against them in non-section play you know, build some confidence for this team, especially coming off a big win against a bigger opponent in South Allegheny, which we talked about earlier in the podcast, in a previous one, I should say. Then you obviously had the 
shellacking of the Bentworth Bearcats 10 run rule. But in this game, you saw Jensen Hartman's bat start to heat up a little bit, picked up a pair of hits, a ribby walk two times. Bednar got a hit, scored a pair of runs. Wyshynski, another hit, scored two runs, drove into Riley Evans, the deep threat. Got her first home run of the season, driving in two on the two-run shot. Delaney Warnick went three for three in the game. Two more ribbies, another walk for her as she's been very efficient with the eye in this season thus far. It hasn't been getting the big hits, but she's drawn a ton of walks, and I think her patience at the plate is going to pay off dividends for her throughout the course of this season. But, I mean, as a whole, the offense was clicking. The pitching was good. You know, some unearned runs, something you definitely want to clean up if you're that softball team. I mean, that's kind of the big thing, no matter what is, how will your defense play? You know, you can score as many runs as you do and, you know, pitch well, but if you're going to give up a ton of earned run, unearned runs, I should say, it's tough to be successful down the stretch. And if you do that in the postseason in tough section games, you're not going to fare too well down the end of the year. Oh, yeah, 100%. You saw a prime example of that. In the Shallower game, there was a few errors that were made that led to some runs, and I think that game probably should have been a two to three run game, but it ended up just they ended up just winning five to four. Yeah, seven innings, four runs surrendered by Palmer, two earned, struck out nine in that game, and that's been the impressive thing about Nicole Palmer. I mean, obviously she's been so good this season, but twenty four innings pitched, and I know I have it here. I don't want to. Say the wrong number, but strikeout-wise, she's been absolutely incredible as well. In those 24 innings, has struck out 30 batters, given up just six earned runs, and, I mean, a sub-2 ERA. And, I mean, when you have someone like that coming in as a freshman, yeah, watch out for years to come. I mean, she's been absolutely outstanding on the hill as the bats – they're a little slow to start. I mean, you have your kind of top four on that team. Bednar batting 400, one of those, in a sense, red shirt freshmen as a sophomore. Warnick up at 375. Hartman 368. Evans at 364. And then Palmer and Wyshynski both batting 250. But again, you'll take a 250 average from Palmer, especially when she's pitching the way she is. And we'll have to see how she fares in her next outing. It could be this evening... This afternoon, this being aired on Tuesday, as the Commodores are set to take on Belvernon at home. It was supposed to be Monday. That got rained out, so they're going to be taking on the Leopards here this afternoon. And it's a Belvernon team that's a 4A ranked team right now. They're on the up. Top five, but they are 3-3, three and three, but they're in a very tough classification with tough Elizabeth Forward. Too. As yeah, in their section in general, Elizabeth Ford being an absolute powerhouse, and it's going to be, I think, an interesting game well, one and one they in have the series. Yuck and Yawk in their section, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a tough, yeah. tough section. And Belvernon, they might come out third in that, but mm-hmm. Belvernon might be a top five team in the entire classification. Going back and doing like some prep work on Belvernon, I've historically seen. That every year, almost every year, they won the Whitfield Championship. They got either second or third in their yeah. section. And the thing about Bovarin is they're either do or die. They either miss the playoffs completely or win the WPIO Championship. It's been that way since like 2013-ish, 2014. Yeah. It's either win a WPIO Championship 
or don't make so the playoffs. So, like, a section championship to them necessarily doesn't even really mean much. Like, obviously, you want to win that, but, like, they still, in the playoffs, historically do well. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that they kind of, they're used to it. It's, mm-hmm. it's weird that you're seeing a team win as many WPIO championships they have in recent years. They've went back-to-back ones, and they really do it without kind of having that section crown, which is, I'm sure, something they would really like to have, especially for a lot of these girls who haven't been there before now and to new faces, especially with the year off. I mean, it's a pretty big roster, but, again, they didn't make the playoffs the year before the shutdown, so it's been since 2018. And that was the second of back-to-back WPIO championships for them as they won 5-4 over Elizabeth Forward. And again, they're ranked fifth in 4A EF1 Yawk 3. So that's a tough section. So even though Belverna may be 3-3, three and three, Frazier does not have necessarily an easy opponent on their hands later this afternoon when they take on the Belverna Leopards. And you can catch that on the Frazier Athletics Network as of now barring any changes because changes come the way the weather changes here in Pennsylvania. You never know because, I mean, we thought we were going to have two games on Monday. We had none. So, again, the way the wind blows, kind of the way we kind of roll here on the Frazier Athletics Show and Frazier Athletics Network with where we end up going or what game we end up doing because who knows if the fields are going to be in good enough condition if you get a hard enough rainstorm coming through again. And I know they have a tarp on – for the softball field, but I don't know if it got tarped up. And again, with how hard some of these quick bursts of rain cells are and over the last couple of days, you don't know how good of condition those fields are going to be in. And if you're going to see games tomorrow as well, but or I guess tonight, but it, it should be fun to watch where the softball team goes in this next week is because it's not just the Bell Vernon game. You have some section games coming up A as big well. One is Carmichael's on Wednesday. Yeah, that's the big one because you have best center on Friday, but the thing about best center, I want to read this stat when I was actually getting prepped for the baseball game I was supposed to do today for Trib. Um, since they were playing best center, I wanted to, you know, that the, knew the softball teams were playing. So I was like, let's get that uh, stat lines for them because I think it'd be an interesting thing to bring to the broadcast. Best center softball, one and two, 0 oh and two in the section. They lost to Bentworth 10 to seven. Frazier 10-run Bentworth. So Friday could be one of those 15-run rule games that you could see get in and out within 30, 40 minutes of a game. I mean, I'm not saying that's the case. you got to play the games for the reason. But, again, Frazier had no issues against Bentworth, and Bentworth beat best center by three runs, and those two teams will take on each other Friday. But the big one, as you mentioned, Nick, that's going to be Carmichael's Wednesday as Carmichael sits at 2-0 and inside the section as well, as they are knotted up with Frazier at the top of that section in the softball diamond in 2A section 3. So, or Carmichael's is 1-0, excuse me. They're tied with California. Frazier, the only 2-0 and team in the section. And but, coming up the week after, California on that Tuesday. But those are the big three you kind of look at. Shawleroy, again, with the unearned runs, game was close yeah. than you'd probably hope if you're Frazier, but... You know Washington's not considered to be good at all this year. You obviously know what Bentworth is. Yeah, you played them once. You can imagine what best center is with what Bentworth did to them. So, you know, you take care of business against Carmichael's and Wa- or in California, those first two meetings, you're well on your way if you at least win one of those two in yeah. the second meetings. 
you got a good shot at a section championship this year. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I think that all leads back to our point last episode was the tough non-section schedule. Adding Bell Vernon to that list just made our schedule stronger. And West Green. Yeah, West Green, Because that was too. supposed to be Washington that Yeah, it was. I remember now. Because wa- they were supposed to play Washington on the 7th, and that got canceled, became West Green. They went down to West Green and beat the Pioneers 11-6 to against a very, again, good 1A team. Ranked number one. Yeah. If you go, I mean, it's, oh, they're playing a 1A team. I'm sorry, the top class teams in the lower classifications are going to be better than the lower teams in 2A because I think West Green could easily probably tenor on Bentworth. Yeah, and arguably, I think the low teams are probably from our section. Yeah, and I think you have some good high-end teams with Frazier and Carmichael's and maybe even Cal. Carmichael's... Charleroi, too. Charleroi is a really good team. Charleroi is solid. But I think besides that, Bentworth, Best Center, and Washington. There's a lot of highs and lows in our section. You have the some top teams. You have some low teams. But, again, none of those teams are in the top five rankings as they're now. Not. But they're going to maybe battle out and change it up by the they beginning of next take a week. Look down here. But before we call quits on the softball segment, time for the player of the weekend. Many deserving candidates, especially with the onslaught of runs the Commodores were able to put up against West Green and then a big section win against Schallaroy. But, you know, the thought, maybe do you go Evans, you got a home run, or do you go Palmer? And I think the, the thought is Palmer did it both with the bat and on the hill. As we mentioned, a 6-9 and nine strikeout game. I mean, didn't give up a ton of earned runs. Has 30 strikeouts on the year and 24 innings pitched. I mean, she's been absolutely outstanding all season long for the Commodores as a freshman. And, you know, we talk about what she did pitching, but, you know, in that Schallaroy game, which was such a close game, she had two hits and drove in a run and scored one by herself. So, I mean, she really did it all for the Commodores this past week, pitching, hitting, and, you know, helped pick up a big section win and a non-section win against a good West Green team. Oh, yeah, 100%. What she's been doing this whole season has been impressive. Even that first game she pitched against South Allegheny when they got the win. I don't know her exact stats in that game, but she was kind of rolling with the strikeout totals, and it's just been impressive to come from a true freshman is the terminology we like to use. Yeah, the strikeout numbers have been astronomical to start the year. She'll look to keep it going as she takes home her first of possible multiple players of the week here on the Fraser Athletic Show, but we'll step aside from softball. When we come back, we'll talk about John Malone and his baseball squad right here on the Fraser Athletic Show. Just as your local State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home and auto. And guess what you'll get? That's right, good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, State Farm agent Brian Warnick is your go-to agent in Perryopolis for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home and auto today. State Farm agent Brian Warnick will help you mix and match things perfectly. Call 412-668-0111 for surprisingly great rates. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Somerset Trust Company, now open in Perryopolis. We invite you to stop by and experience the Somerset Trust Company difference. Local decision-making, convenient locations, extended hours, award-winning online and mobile banking, and more. Somerset Trust Company, community banking at its best. 
now open in Periopolis. Moving on to baseball here on the Frazier Athletics Show as the Commodores rattled off a couple wins in a row, but they fell in their last game at Wild Things Park, a game many thought could have been a blowout, 8-7 final score in that one. But the Commodores picking up a pair of section wins against the Bentworth Bearcats this week. And the Commodores have continued to roll along this season, trying to kind of shock a lot of people as a lot of thought, you know, they weren't going to be a very good team at all this year, but under first-year head coach John Malone, they sit at 3-2 and two overall. 2-0 and oh inside the section and a pair of games coming up with the rival best center Bulldogs. First one was supposed to be Monday again, got postponed. That will be home on Wednesday. They'll take on best center as of now. Tuesday night on the road, but again, the way the weather goes, you never know how things can change in an hour or so. But the baseball team has been off to, again, a pretty solid start on the year. The thought was the first five hitters were going to be good this year for the Commodores as if they find some life in the second half of the lineup. And that still hasn't come yet, but I think it's well on its way. And you've got Good hitting at the top of the lineup with Dom Dorkin, Chase Hazelbaker, Braden Bacino's hit the ball pretty well. Shutterly hasn't hit the ball great, but he's done a very good job drawing walks and getting on base, even though his average hasn't been where he may like it. And Olbrey's has hit the ball very well as well for the Commerce. He had a triple in that McGuffey game. And, you know, for those of you who may not understand this new role in a sense, the home-and-home doubleheaders. It's not just for the COVID-related issues to make sure you're playing two teams back-to-back so in case a team breaks out with a case, then it's only two teams getting shut down instead of possibly four. I mean, that was, yes, part of it. But the thought process behind this is so a team can't pitch their ace in back-to-back days against the same opponent. Because the thing is, you would line up your rotation in the old days where so – for Frazier Chase. Both times they'd play whoever's going to be, in a sense, the best team inside this section of baseball. Again, most likely Carmichael's when it comes to the boys' side of things. Yeah, Carmichael's did beat Cal twice over the past week. Carmichael's a very good team. They're always good down in Carmichael's with baseball. But the ideal is, okay, we have two separate times. We'll set up our rotation. Chase pitches both games. Now that can't happen. And you look even at the Bentworth game. I mean, the thing for Frazier, they do have a good number two in Dom Dork, and his control is not great yet, but I think that's going to definitely come for the junior. But the way he's been pitching, even with poor control, is very impressive. Yeah. Because he doesn't get too rattled when runners come on base. And, you know, John kind of joked at one point, I think it was after the South Moreland when we had him on for an interview, saying, you know, he seemed more comfortable when he had runners on base. And, you know, Dom may put a few runners on base, but he's been very efficient. But the thing is, you see the effectiveness of that. In the first game against Bentworth, the Commodores absolutely raked and manhandled the Bearcats in that, again, that first meeting. Final score was 14-3. to Next day, you go on the road. Again, different pitchers. 
So in Bentworth, they probably knew Chase was going game one, so they might have thrown their two game one. I think they did throw their two. And you, then you throw your your one game two against the other team's two. So it's trying to kind of play that mixed match game. And you saw a much closer game at five to four against Bentworth. But again, let's go back and start with that first game. I, just a little explanation of that rule for those who may be wondering of why that kind of changed I, this year. I do believe that rule was supposed to be in place last year, but I think COVID was might have been more of a reason to do it. It was on the table, I think. I, th- and then I thought it, they passed it, though. It, I think it was going to start this year either way. Okay. Because okay. the schedules came out, and I, I'm 95% sure from looking at schedules from mm-hmm. last year that they weren't home-and-home home series. I'm not sure because we never really got into last year, but I do know like this was before a COVID thing. They've been talking about out. it, and then I think the thing was it said, well, this is another reason we can do it, and it kind of said, let's, let's go yep. ahead right away and make sure we get it done this year. But you go into that first Frazier game against Bentworth. They gave up three runs, and Chase gave up two. Neither of them earned. Brown gave up one run, not earned. And, again, that's been the problem this year for this baseball team has been the unearned runs. Yep. I mean, against McGuffey, they gave up eight. All were earned. I mean, you don't like to give up eight runs, but at least you know your defense wasn't killing you in that game. In this game, obviously, the offense did enough as you had Shutterly, Dorkin, Hazelbaker, Obreys, all having multi-hit games. Chase drove in five runs. Dom drove in three Dom walked twice in the game as well. And, I mean, absolutely great job by that offense, taking advantage of a team you very much should take advantage of in Bentworth. And then Chase did what Chase does on the hill, four innings pitch, struck out eight over four. He struck out seven over three innings and got a save earlier this year. I mean, he's been outstanding and only two unearned runs to his name in that game. And then, as we said, you go to game two, different pitchers because again you can't throw the same pitcher twice against the team this year and a 5-4 game again Dom pitched very well five and a third innings gave up four runs again this is where the issue comes back in only two of those runs were earned so you look at that take those two runs away it's a 5-2 game the pressure's off but instead the pressure's on Lucas Roebuck in this game coming in for an inning and two-thirds save Struck out one, walked one, didn't give up a run, and got the save in his first high school appearance. And, you know, talk about having to come in a a very dicey situation for your first outing to get a really big win against a Bentworth team that you were hoping to beat if you want to make the playoffs. Because, again, you figure you got to beat Washington both times, at least split with best center, and maybe try to steal a game somewhere else among the season to get yourself locked into the postseason. I think that five games should put them in. Six games, definitely. That, that's what I was thinking. I think because it depends how they decide to do that tiebreaker yep. this year. Because you know they're not necessarily taking the same number of teams as they normally would. They're trying to get as close back to. I thought they were season. going back to normal. Well, they are, but the question is when it gets to that rule oh, of oh, yeah, I see what do you're they saying. take an extra team because of a tie in a section. I think they might just throw him into a prelim. That's what they do in basketball, correct? Sometimes. It depends. Because there was a year, I think it was the year after I graduated here, that they ended up splitting best center in basketball, so they both got into the playoffs. Mm. I think that was in 15-16. Okay. So, again, it depends how they were going to play that role this year. 
Because you think you have a set of rules that this is what's going to be no matter what, and then next thing you know, it's changed. Yeah. I do like the section games back-to-back. I feel like it makes baseball as a whole more competitive, and I think it's a good thing for the game. In that second game, Chase collected two more hits, drove in one more run and another walk, played shortstop in that game. And, you know, so let's see, Chase pitched a game. He started a shortstop game. And then the third game this week, he played first base. And, you know, hadn't seen Chase at first base, but I'll tell you, he made some nice defensive plays over there. A couple good picks for Chase over at first, and he had an RBI single, scored a pair of runs, and the Commodores lost that one 8-7. to seven. Again, many, many people thought they were going to get blown out in that game because of the fact that McGuffey absolutely shellacked Schallaroy in a pair of games. And Frazier hung with them. They were up 3-0 after ha- at half inning. Then they got down 6-3, to three, battled their way back, tied it in the sixth before McGuffey scored the go-ahead run in the bottom half of the inning. Alexson had all sorts of control issues in his first high school start. But then Logan Brown came in, settled things down, gave up a pair of runs, one and inside the park home run, which didn't look like it was going to be close. Then Dorkin ended up almost throwing the guy out from shallow center field as the cutoff man. And then a book roll double. Wagner bat flip thought it was a two-run shot. It was not. And and he was standing on second base. Yeah, and that's where he stayed. As Brown stranded him, he went four and two-thirds inning, four hits, two runs, three strikeouts in the loss, and that sets up, in a sense, a bit of a confidence boost. You go in with a pair of games against best center. Yeah, and one of the key things I look at in that McGuffey game was the errors. They only had two errors, if I'm not mistaken. I think McGuffey might have had, like, five or six. Most of Frazier's runs were unearned in that game. Yeah. So... It shows you, as we t- we've talked a lot about, going to clean up the defense for the Commodores, it shows how effective it can be on the other side of things if a team like McGuffey struggles offensively, or defensively, I should say. As again, Frazier has a pair of section games against the best center. It is no longer Monday, Tuesday, as the game Monday postponed. It's now Tuesday, Wednesday. Best center gets the home game first, then Frazier on Wednesday as the Commodores will most likely go to Dorkin and Hazelbaker in those two, a little up in the air. Don't know which order, but... Or even if both of them are going to go. I mean, you never yeah. know. I mean, maybe Logan Brown gets a game. Maybe. That's you know, a possibility. I mean, you never know if someone's arm's not good for... I mean, one injury, it throws off your two-pitcher rotation, and then they'll take their game after best center. They'll play Jefferson Morgan That's on That's going to be on Friday now. Is that... Yeah, Friday? Yeah, Friday. It's, it was on Thursday. Now they, it got moved to Friday. That's right. That makes sense. Everything Just so we're not playing around. three straight. Makes sense. Makes sense. As, again, constant schedule moves yep. as we talk about. But before we finish up with baseball and player go into week. track, player of the week time, and I think we've talked about him a lot during this podcast. If you haven't been able to guess it already, and I'm sure he'll be glad to finally get some attention. He, the man himself. He yelled at us for not giving him enough, enough attention during basketball season. He get, he's getting all the attention in the world during baseball. Mr. Chase Hazelbaker. Chase, an outstanding week. We talked about what he did on the hill in that first game against Bentworth. Unearned runs, the only thing to his name. And he struck out a ton of Bearcats, eight to be exact. Only walked one. And Chase hit the ball all over the place 
all week pretty much. I mean, you look again, first game against Bentworth, three hits, five runs batted in. That's that's impressive. Anything over two runs batted in, that's when you start to raise an eyebrow or two. Then in game two, again, much closer game. Chase out at shortstop, two more knocks, another two runs scored, and brought home one himself. So responsible in a sense for three runs out of the Commodore five. And then you go to that McGuffey game where the Commodore struggled for hits. They only had three hits in that, or five total hits in that game for seven runs. I mean, that's less hits than runs. Yeah. Not necessarily what you're going for when you're having a bad day hitting the office. It's good to get the ball in. But in that game, he had one of their only hits, scored a pair of runs, and drove one in. And it was at a big moment Chase was driving in runs and scoring runs, you know, when they were trying to battle back. So well-deserved honor for Chase becoming the second boys baseball player of the week here on the Frazier Athletic Show. But it's time for us to take a break, and when we come back, We'll talk track right here on the Frazier Athletics Show. You can enjoy the rustic decor of the Big Barn Country Store in Delhi from Route 51, just south of Periopolis, Pennsylvania. Inside the store, enjoy the atmosphere and browse through a selection of delicious Amish foods, home-baked pies, a deli, a wide array of nostalgic candy, wine store, and much more. Open seven days a week. Visit our website at BigBarnStore.com. That's BigBarnStore.com. Somerset Trust Company, now open in Periopolis. We invite you to stop by and experience the Somerset Trust Company difference. Local decision-making, convenient locations, extended hours, award-winning online and mobile banking, and more. Somerset Trust Company, community banking at its best. Now open in Periopolis. We're running along here on the Frazier Athletic Show, switching over to track as the Commodores struggled when they took on the Greensburg Central Catholic Centurions. Those private schools, always a tough match as on the girls' side of things, it was 112 to one or to 37 in favor of GCC. And on the boys' side of things, it was 121 to 29 as GCC dominated in all fashions. But a couple of decent performers for the Commodores on the girls' side of things. You have Stewart finishing first in the 100-110 high hurdles with Shapurka. That's Kendall finishing third. Kendall finished third in the 100-meter dash as well and also won first in the 400-meter dash for the girls. Stewart finished second in the 300 hurdles. And Polkabla, another victory to her track season, finishing first in the 200 meters in the running categories. And over on the throwing side of things, McGavitt finished first in the javelin. And that's really the only kind of major win inside of throwing for the Commodores. Kendall got second, or Kaylin, excuse me, got second in the shot put, earning three points for the Commodores in the high jump. Polkabla finished second and finished second as well in the long jump. But GCC dominated every other facet of that match on 
the girls' side of things. And over on the boys' side, as we mentioned, they lost 121-29. Matthew Cordage, once again, putting on a decent performance, finished second in the discus, second in the javelin. And one other guy to talk about there would be Caleb Higby on the boys' side, finishing second in the 3,200 meter and also got home a, brought home a second-place finish in the 1,600-meter run as the Commodores boys, not necessarily their best outing. Tyler Clark, also a second-place finish in the 400-meter dash for the boys, but the Commodores were dominated by GCC in almost every facet. You know, you see some guys like Nate DeLugas on there for GCC, that's a name may sound familiar to some of you listeners out there as Nick DeLugas is a big part of that GCC runner-up basketball team yeah. in 2A that lost to Osh in the championship game. But, again, those Catholic schools, not easy to go against as GCC flexes their muscle. I mean, another guy, which actually this is kind of surprising. If you look at this for GCC, at least I know a lot of the backstory. Uh, but Christian McGowan competing in relays and running out there, he has some massive leg issues. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's part of the big reason why GCC, I think, wasn't as competitive in the championship game. I do remember you making game. the jokes that they said he has, like, legs of a 70-year-old man or something. Yeah, like that. and, like, this is the championship that was game. Their coach. Yeah, their coach and other writers. It was unreal. I was at that game, and I'm talking to their coach because I saw the semifinal game when they beat Stowe Rocks, and, you know, I email their coach going to the championship game, and I'm like, hey, has McGowan got an injury? Because I saw him, when, you know, when Frazier went to GCC, and he looked unreal. And he's like, yeah, he got tendonitis in both legs. And, like, it's always ice. He was only doing walkthroughs at practice. So to see him out there running is kind of – That's an impressive thing for him, and, you know, as a human-to-human aspect of it, glad to see the guy being able to still compete athletically because, you know, when talking also, they said, you know, he might not be able to play sports at the next level just because, not because yeah. of his talent, but just because of his injury history with the tendonitis. And, you know, you hate to see a guy with so much athletic ability not be able to compete at the next level. But, you know, I'm sure Frazier was glad he probably wasn't running at completely full True. cylinders. That could have been a couple more categories with him competing in and winning in when he's going full tilt but i think it's time to go athlete to the week here for track yeah sounds good to me start with girls or boys uh go with the girls on the girls side of things as we said we ran through it another serviceable week for sydney polkabla our reigning girls athlete of the week mcgavitt had a Solid day in the office, but Kendall Shapork competing multiple events, taking home points in multiple different categories for the Commodores, and every point was kind of precious and hard to come by against GCC. So Kendall Shapork will be our Athlete of the Week for the girls' side of things. And over to the boys' side, we said Matthew Korge again. Very good week as our two runners up in the track, Player of the Week, Athlete of the Week. Had good weeks, but again, we don't want to go back-to-back here. At least we don't want to repeat this early on in the if spring sports to, season. you to give us a reason to. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, when they're not that Matthew didn't give us a reason to. But when you know we have two guys neck and neck, you know, yeah. I, I'm gonna give it to the new guy. And for the boys, we're gonna give it to Higby. You know, we talked about what he was able to do, bringing home a couple of second place finishes in his sprints again. Tyler Clark also had a decent performance for the boys, getting himself onto the score sheet. But Higby going to take home the honors of the boys athlete of the week for track. So Kendall Shaporka for the girls, Higby for the boys, as hopefully more and better track results to talk about next week as one meet, not necessarily a ton to talk about as the Commodores, again, won't have to take on GCC again in their next meet. But we come back, we'll give you a quick recap and send you on your way. You're listening to the Frazier Athletic Show. Just about do it here on the Frazier Athletic Show. As we talked about, the softball team picked up a big section win against Charleroi, a non-section win against 1A powerhouse West Green, while the baseball team picked up a pair of section wins against Bentworth as the Commodores were unable to complete the perfect week as they fell to McGuffey on the road as... The Highlanders beat Frazier 8-7, but they'll be back in action with some more section games against the best center Bulldogs in a rivalry game. Two big games again for softball against Carmichael's. That one on Wednesday, the big one to have circled on your calendar. And then, again, the lowly best center Bulldogs on Friday for the softball team as track, again, will look to rebound in the week to come, but... That's all she wrote for this edition of the Frazier Athletic Show. On behalf of Nick Hicks, I'm Alex Lyons saying thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Frazier Athletic Show. Make sure you come back next week and we'll talk more Frazier Athletics. It's your home for all things Frazier sports, the Frazier Athletic Show. <laughs>